Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places you can find podcasts. You can find Kyle and I. Also, please, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at LonghornPod. Feel free to find us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Gedrich. I'm your host this week. Like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's more stable than the Sooner Schooner, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, the highlight of the football season, really, so far is the rough necks as they, oh man, you should look up the spelling of that word, what they call themselves as they went went a-flying. You have to give respect to the woman who clearly seemed more athletic than the man. She was riding shotgun, but in a, in a dress, and I'm going to call them uh, tactical uh, fall boots, um, looking, you know, looking seasonally appropriate. She, uh, in slow motion dove off of the, uh, exploding, uh, you know, chuck wagon or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and just combat rolled her way out of all danger, um, in, in, with perfect grace and flair. It was, uh, it was the most impressive thing I've, I've seen from, from a sooner in, in quite some time, but, uh, Still was fun, fun to watch. Every twenty years or so, the wheels come off. Let's hope that's a metaphor. The, I don't know what her she's going to school for, but she definitely has a degree or a future as a uh, stunt person. Mm-hmm. Hollywood may be calling her name. Uh, speaking of scary situations, Texas last game of spooky season before the bye week, heading in to Fort Worth. It is our weekly preview and Texas is heading to funky Fort Worth to take on the TCU Horn Frogs TCU three and three on the season one and two in big 12 play. They beat Kansas 51 to 14, then lost back-to-back games against Iowa state and Kansas state. Texas opened up as a two and a half point underdog. That line obviously saw some motion as money came in, but Texas, a road underdog, a position they've been in quite a bit under Tom Herman. Uh, they they probably, knowing how weird this season is, because they're an underdog, are going to win by three touchdowns. But TCU right. is, a, is a highly potent team, uh, especially on the ground. So, Kyle, I think we can start with the TCU offense. They're number 12 in the country in rush offense, uh, averaging nearly 240 yards per game. Darius Anderson has been on a tear the last two games. Uh, Over the season, 83 carries, 588 yards, six touchdowns. uh, Number two in the conference behind Chuba Hubbard in total offense. Over the last two games, uh, in losses, unfortunately, 337 yards and four touchdowns. So TCU looking to get it going on the ground uh, first, which is a rarity i guess you could say in the big 12 if you depending what week you ask me um i say texas that suits their their needs well because of the defensive back uh situation right so a team that looks to establish the run we saw that with oklahoma state oklahoma state came out really wanted to get the nation's leading rusher chuba hubbard who is leading the nation by like 300 yards he's way out there um but the nation's leading rusher came in and the longhorns effectively made him another guy and also ran um 
it was it was their best performance of of the season how they did that um the nation's uh 18th rusher right now i'm just going by yards is jalen hurts and he obviously made the longhorns look pretty bad two weeks ago and then puka williams um is uh the nation's i think top 30 somewhere in there um got a good chunk of that last week against the horns so um <laughs> they have fared they have they have decreased basically they have um decayed uh in the the run defense uh as the season has uh has worn on again you you have injuries to the secondary that doesn't just affect your pass game it affects how people get downhill and, and support the run game especially with a three-man front um stopping the run becomes a a defensive unit responsibility so that gives me nightmares scared to death this is halloween week game this is or, or close to it this is the uh like you said the spookiest game um from that perspective of stopping the run that we have left this season so uh the defense needs to come up to it, but honestly, Coach Todd Orlando needs to be up to it. We need a scheme. There isn't probably going to be a huge surprise in what they do. Um, they may come in different looks and everything, but you know they're going to want to run the ball. Given that, can you can you coach up to that level? If you had asked me after Oklahoma State how Texas matches up with a TCU team that's going to try to ground and pound it, I would have said, great, Texas probably wins this by two scores, uh, but maybe loses the time of possession battle in this. And you've seen Orlando do it a couple of times where a team that's going to establish the run, he'll he'll switch from his 3-3-5 to a more of a 3-4 look. He'll bring in an additional linebacker in that uh, just to help shut things down in, in the run, bring an extra guy in the box. And I think we'll probably see that. Now, granted, that has been in years when he's had more competence at the defensive back. So I'm still not sure what that looks like, but I would, I would, especially if uh, the jury's still out on Jeff McCullough, they're, they're not quite sure if he'll be back. Um, so you've got, I mean, Joseph Osai may be the best player on in that front seven group. Maybe him and Malcolm Roach are, are a one, one, a situation. Uh, Jawan Mitchell's playing really, really well. Dele played really, really well uh, in, in the last few weeks. So you've got three guys there. The fourth guy, I'm not quite sure who you play there. But I think schematically, I'm, I'm anticipating Texas probably bringing a fourth guy into the box as a as a starting defense um, and forcing Thug and Duggan to try to beat you through the air. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand that. And, and I think you, you give if you give Jawan Mitchell, like, don't read and react, just go downhill. And, and that's what, you know, against the run, setting that edge you can get. I think he's going to be effective. I think Dele um, has a chance to do that. I don't know if they maybe get crazy. I'm not predicting anything here, but I think we might see some looks with four linemen just because Moro Jomo looked so good at the nose last week when he was spelling for Coburn and also when uh, when uh, uh, Roach was out for the first half. He played a lot. Um, and him next to Coburn uh, actually really worked quite well. Um that's probably the two best players on our defensive line right there with Roach. So I, I, why not try to get uh, a four down lineman situation? It's something TC probably isn't prepared for. Again, I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but I think we see both of those guys at some point, Ojomo and Coburn and Roach, all three uh, with their hands in the dirt, trying to stop that, that run game. So um, 
those are the guys I'm watching. I would love for someone else to show out. I mean, if that's Byron Vaughns, who, who got his first start and gets to play uh, probably in this one, if that's um, Bimage or Sweat or someone on that defensive line who gets in there, uh, or TQ, um, you know, uh, great. I don't really at this point care who it is. I just care that we do it. That's overshown getting downhill like he showed he could do. His strength is not pass coverage. Um, again, and being that extra player in the box, then I, I'm okay with that. Whether it's Jones looking like the captain, I'm not predicting. I'm just throwing some things out, seeing what sticks. Absolutely, and I think that's going to be. Again, I I don't know what Orlando does. He he's he's got a full week to prepare, and granted, we've said that uh, all season. But I really I really need him to figure out how to slow down Anderson because if Anderson gets going, it's going to be a really long game. We've seen that Texas struggles when teams are able to execute on the play action. And so in, in we saw him again, the defense was probably healthier that week, but if you can shut, if you can find a way to shut down Chuba Hubbard, you can probably shut down anybody in the country. And so whatever magic he dialed up that week, I think Coburn probably paid, played his best game of the season uh, against Oklahoma state, really occupying two guys on every play. And so I think that's going to be a lot of the mandate is, Hey key, you've got to occupy the a gap and let us kind of push everything to the outside where we've got speed. Now, again, a banged up secondary trying to help along the edges. I think that's why you bring in an extra linebacker and you run your more traditional three, four, uh, have your, your linebackers keep the outside arm free so they can probably make a play. But that, that to me is probably the scariest matchup of the, of the group is again, just because, Anderson has been so good in Texas has struggled wrapping up and bringing guys down. So really I just, it worries me, but um, Max Duggan has been, has been solid for, for TCU. He had a, he had probably his best game of the season uh, in, in the loss at Kansas state. Um, He's at, he's completing 56% of his passes, nine touchdowns, 874 yards through the air against Kansas state, 115 on the ground, 132 passing. So 247 total yards. It's really, he's, he's people, I think thought he was going to have a higher upside than he did. Um, early in the season, but I think we're starting to see a lot of what people expected from him in these last few games. The The key set for him is he's thrown the ball 142 times with no interceptions this season. That's close to their school record. Sam's got that in the bag, but that's close to their school record. I think he's like 10 away. So hopefully we intercept him early and often. Why not? If they do try to pass the ball. Um, but he is, you know, he's passing for about 140 a game right now. Um, so, I mean, he's, it's not how they look to beat you, but he is, he is capable. Um, they, they've used Delton. He's played in every game and he's thrown the ball himself 50 times. Also run um, quite a bit as kind of the more mobile quarterback. So, you know, they, I don't put it past Patterson to have something schemed up. You know, I don't put it past him to, to, have something how he feels the best attack the Texas defense, whether that's with Delton as a mobile quarterback, um, giving another running threat or, um, you know, a lot of, like you said, play action with Dugan being the better passer, but either way, I, I think this offense knows what they like to do. It's, it's a little bit old school. They like to ground it out. They like to keep the ball in their own hands. Um, 
you know, they're, they're number eight in the country in average time of possession. That's something we often talk about with Texas. One of their keys to victory is winning that. So there's going to be a true battle for who gets to have the ball in their hands. Um, Texas is capable of long sustained drives, uh, as is TCU. Do, they do it a little bit differently. Um, but, but yeah, I truly think, you know, no, who, no turning the ball over. If, if TCU can keep that trend up and keeping the ball for 30 plus minutes a game, then that doesn't bode particularly well you get into a shootout where Ellinger has to drive down the field and last team with the ball wins absolutely and and I think if it is a last team with the ball win situation uh I oh I have faith in Cameron Dicker which we again saw in a two-point win over Kansas because that's definitely what you want to be going into this um but you mentioned the the lack of interceptions TCU has fumbled the ball a bit this this year uh they've 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 fumbled it 16 times and lost seven uh they're actually negative half of a turnover and turnover Mm. margin so i think that's um that's probably where texas if it's going to turn them over is able to do so defensively and and that's but again we saw like jalen hurts palm the ball and not fumble it (laughs) against this defense so I, I don't know what, what that's going to look like, but I think Texas definitely needs to take advantage of of that situation. Again, 16 fumbles is quite a bit. Uh, fall, not falling on seven of them is, is still a big number as well. So defensively, this is a Gary Patterson team. We, we know that the defense is what, what it's going to be kind of made out of. So they're the number 11 team in the country in total defense, uh, number 18 in the country on in third down defense. Like they're just, they're, they're a top 25, top 30 school in basically every defensive statistic that matters. Um, and, and that to me, Texas has played good defenses. OU probably is the best defense or at least the most physical defense they've played all year. And they struggled early. Sam Ellinger was sacked nine times by Alex Grinch's um, scheme and, and Gary Patterson, no shot at Alex Grinch, because again, he's, he's part of the reason why I think OU has an argument to be the second best team in the country. If you could argue that Uh, he's no Gary Patterson. Patterson's been in the game a long time. And so I think that's the thing that probably scares me the most is what is Gary Patterson going to do schematically to keep Sam Ellinger from getting comfortable uh, in the pocket? Yeah. And, and, and their, their defense, you know, you look at the, the roster and they're good, but you, no, no one jumps out or there's, there's a couple guys who definitely stand out, but there's no one who jumps out. He says, Oh my gosh, that guy, you know, unbelievable elite five-star, you know, like that. They're just a solid unit with good players, good players who are allowed to, you know, rise up and play their best, uh, best football. So, um, I think if Texas executes, um, you look at these teams being able to control the time of possession. Texas wants to run more plays um, in their slow, kind of methodical, get long, sustained drives. They're still going with some tempo, um, and they convert on third down. So if Texas can do those things, um, you know, it, it, it maybe starts to show some cracks in a TCU team that, just judging by their fan base, by some of their the people who cover the team, they they were a little surprised to be named favorites in this game, I think. Um, and so if Texas can can get out early, get some points up on that defense, maybe you start to see some cracks. They're a very, very, very good unit, but I think Texas's offense can be truly elite when the ball's in Sam Ellinger's hands. Um, so as long as there's no, you know, he's got a 21 to three TD to interception rate. I'm not especially worried about big Sam, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, there is a chance that, you know, if you let them hang around 
too long in the game and you struggle and you end up punting a lot and Texas has started slow in some games and you get, you know, 10 to 7 at halftime, that lets TCU go into their own locker room feeling feel pretty confident and then you get you get a uh you get a little bit worried at that point. I think the thing that worries me the most about TCU is big Ross Blaylock in in the middle of that line because Texas has struggled in the in the middle three of its of its offensive yeah. line center in both guards and Ross Blaylock leads the team in sacks with three and a half sacks on the year um which again is is a I don't want to say a bad tiding, but it's it is spooky season for this offensive line. Uh, now again, if Texas is running the ball, I think that's a, that's a plus for Texas because Parker Braun and Junior Angela have been really really good as run blockers, but they've both struggled with Shaq as well and some pass pro things, especially when defenses don't give you just a straight ahead look. And so that's that's kind of the matchup I'm watching. That's the thing I want to see uh, Texas improve on is is how does how do Shaq and the guards match up with Ross Blaylock because you know Garrett Wallow's going to get his. Like that's the thing you know that dude's going to do what he does because he's probably one of the best linebackers in the country, if not the conference. I would go and say he's just fundamentally sound. Dude does what he does. So I think that for me is the thing that I want to see is how does how does that middle of the Texas offensive line match up against uh, a a pretty stout TCU front uh, in spite of they lost a bunch of people in the offseason. Yeah, I, I mean. I still think with TCU having some some skilled players and they have, you know, uh, Trayvon Morig's got, you know, five breakups and and two interceptions, guys who can break on the ball. They have some talent, certainly. I I don't mean to say that they don't, but I I just think that when you get Texas um, and if you give Sam that clean pocket we talked about and how good of a passer, passer, not just runner, but passer, he is with a clean pocket and not having to, you know, do the, uh, the bullet drill where he's dodging, you know, guys in his face um he he should be able to pick apart with texas's elite receivers i think um i think you could see some of this game um where you have uh jake smith in the slot and duvernay in the slot and eagles and colin johnson some of that formation um if we feel that pass pro is holding up enough that we don't need brewer in there um and if you do that i i do think that it, it, it has a chance to really stretch that defense you know a little bit more than they're used to they're a very very good unit um but i don't know if they have four guys who can go out and cover our four guys right if you're putting them on an island like that i feel like i like one of our receivers to get open Absolutely, and they just need to run that nine play a couple of times. That one where you throw it to the six six receiver. Uh, again, I talked about it on uh, in our Tuesday show in our recap show. Like, I don't know if there's a guy in the conference I can cover Colin Johnson on a comeback, and so I want to see them run that more, which then opens up a double move for him to get open down the field. I, I just they I need Beck to really scheme that thing up. Uh, there's this, this if. If the offensive line can hold up, I'm really interested to see how well the pass game turns up. So, Kyle, I want to I want to look at what's the what's the matchup you are really watching closely. I think I already tipped my hand a little bit on mine. But what's the matchup you're watching most closely? So, if, if you're if you're going to talk about the height of the two cornerbacks, then I will I will leave that to you. Um, no, because because I mean. I don't know who exactly they're going to put on Eagles and who they're going to put on uh, on Colin Johnson because it looks like Julius Lewis, their their number one uh, cornerback, is five ten, um, and then Jeff Gladney, who's got good length, he's actually you know could be NFL size, is just at six foot. So they even though they have decent sized cornerbacks, they're still they don't have a six two 
corner or anything like that. So um, I think I think I'm I'm from what our offense can do. That's the matchup I'm most watching. But I think you know when I when I when I talk about the the who I want to see in this game, it goes back to our defensive line and it's Keandre Coburn. Um, if it's a Jomo getting next to him or Roach as well, but it's Keandre Coburn getting uh, to the point of attack like he has all year, collapsing that line a little bit and allowing, if he's not the one making stops, at least having a second guy follow behind him so that when he penetrates and the running back has to change what he's doing, there's someone coming downhill to erase it and get some negative plays. Um, make Darius Anderson, you know, not have a head of steam get hit in the backfield and do something with that. Absolutely. I think, I think we need to see snacks, make them bounce it uh, to the outside. I think the, the thing that I really want to see is the Texas offensive line and that TCU defensive line. TCU is number 17 in the country. They're only allowing a hundred rushing yards per game. And I think how does how does this Texas offensive line that's really, really struggled this year match up against the TCU defensive line that's playing incredible football right now and then really shutting down the run? So I want to see that's that's the really the matchup that I, I, I'm curious to, to see. And again, you I think if you get the Sam Cosme that has played the first five games of the season, not the Sam Cosby that played the last two and you get Zach Shackelford pre OU and you get Parker Braun, who's again, probably one of the best pass blockers in, in the conference because our run blockers in the conference, excuse me, coming from Georgia tech. So I'm really interested to see that matchup particularly because I want to, I want to know what Texas can get going on. the ground. Yeah, I, 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 you're absolutely right. I think we, we talked about it a little bit in our recap from last week, but um, we were so confident that offensive line was a strength that we knew that that we could build on that 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 you know unit had some experience had some seasoning had some um game changers we i feel like our confidence has been a little bit shook in that when that goes a lot of other things start to slip a little and we anchor on our defense and some of those other things that we don't necessarily want to do so establishing that as an elite unit as, as a unit that punishes people that doles out the pain isn't reactive but is actually going out there and and you know pushing other people around sets the whole tempo for the team. It's Herman always says, if you score, it's because of the lineman. Go hug a big guy. So now that we've talked about the matchups we're watching, Kyle, it's that time. We, we paint ourselves into a corner. We set ourselves up for freezing cold takes, and we fire Smokey. So what are you firing Smokey on this week? Oh, Gerald, I uh... – I mentioned it on the podcast. I actually put it in the uh, in the Texas pregamer last week about Texas's special teams. And outside of the things that involve swinging your leg, which we know this is a kicking and punting school, Texas's special teams have needed to show out. And last week, I think they did pretty exceptionally in another facet of the game. That was uh, when other teams swing their leg at the ball um, in a field goal capacity. They blocked two extra point in a field goal. So now it's the final evolution of the special teams game. Let's keep making field goals. Let's keep punting well. Let's cover kickoffs well, which we actually have been elite at doing this season. Um, and let's do the other things that we aren't doing. Let's return the ball well. So my prediction is that after after six games, that, uh, that Texas finally does it, Gerald, that we break out of the negatives. That Texas gets into the positives of yardage on putt return. We are we are right now, uh, I think, at negative five. Um, we have enough trouble fielding it. So I know it's asking a lot to both catch it and then take eight steps forward. 
at any course over the game, you take those eight steps on four returns. I don't care. But at some point in the course of the game, Texas gets positive return yards, takes us out of the negatives. We're currently absolutely dead last in the country, by far the only team in the negatives in that statistic. And Texas finally gets past the positives. I'm saying at least greater than half yard. We're going to get to one whole yard after the end of this game, Gerald. Man, that is a uh, putting yourself out there <laughs> quite a bit on that one, Kyle. Uh <laughs> I really, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited for that. No, so my uh, my firing Smokey this week. I think Texas is going to force Max Duggan into his first interception of the year. I think that is going to be um, maybe not a, maybe not a full difference maker for Texas, but I think uh, I think Todd Orlando is is going to get a little smoke from his head coach after the game they asked Tom Herman about uh, what you can fix on defense and he said everything so I think that is a uh, that's a little bit of a not a shot because Tom Herman doesn't seem like the guy to take veiled shots but it seems more like a we're gonna get some stuff done and I'm not gonna say who I could probably paint myself into even more of a corner and say it's probably gonna be Joseph Osai uh, intercepting he's gonna drop back into a little soft zone that Thug and Duggan doesn't see coming and pick him off but I won't say that uh, as my official firing smoking, my official firing smoking is simply the interception to uh, hopefully maybe create some momentum for Texas. I like it. So to recap, we have a takeaway and we have at least six yards in returns to get us out of the negatives. I, I, I double check TCU stats and they're only averaging uh, two yards a return. So that means we need three. We need three punts return for two yards. Um, <laughs> being hopeful here, guys. So I, I there's... Th- this is a game that has some history to it. It has some fun, has some pageantry. So we, we got in our typical, and before we move on to the Bruno Orange lenses, I just wanted to run through a little bit of TCU trivia. Now, Gerald, the, the easiest one off the top, we all know what this game is. You have the, the OU game, which no one knows what to call it, the Red River Rivalry, Red River Shootout, the Cotton and or um, AT&T Classic, Bowl, Red River, whatever. It's names changed too many times. There's only one name for this game. Gerald, what's the name of this game? The Del Conte Bowl. That's right. The Del Conte Bowl. Now, this game has been going on for a also while. Also, the newest special at Taco Cabana. <laughs> uh, or Del Taco. Uh, I've never actually been. That's California. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the Del Conte Bowl. And UT is undefeated in the Del Conte Bowl. 1-0, baby. We have never lost uh, since Chris Del Conte has been at the University of Texas. In fact, Del Conte doesn't lose this matchup very often. I think the wins just go with him because when he was at TCU, they won a lot of these. But that's neither here nor there. But, Gerald, this is a game that has actually been played many, many, many times, much more than just one. Actually, Texas is, uh, or excuse me, TCU is Texas's fourth most played uh, football series. Now, Gerald, I'm going to, I could spot you however you'd like here. I know we kind of, uh, I hinted at this earlier, but I didn't give you all the answers. Do you know who Texas's top, other top three? And if you want to put them in order, go ahead. If not, I can give you the order. You you said top two pre-show, and so I was preparing for that. Now you're throwing more at me. So uh, we got S- I got SMU earlier. Um, They're at number two. Okay. Texas A&M is probably on that list somewhere. A&M is actually number three. Okay. And I said right. TCU is number four. So we're looking okay. for Texas's most played opponent. Is Arkansas on the list somewhere? They may be on the list somewhere. They're not in the top four. 
They're not uh, a number one. Number one, number one, number one, number one. Man. Kyle, I don't know. The Fighting Ken Stars. Baylor. Baylor football. And that shocked me. I was actually very surprised. Uh, because so many of those games for a lot of years were forgettable, and Texas has an even wider advantage in that series than A&M, which is hard to do. They really own the Aggies very, very much all time. Um, but they have an even wider uh, series. But Baylor is actually uh, the number one. So next trivia, Gerald. Um, <laughs> this this one I think I already hinted at, but can you tell me the connection between universities that aren't UT or TCU that Gary Patterson and Mensa himself, Tom Herman chair. Oh man. I know they coached at a small school together, but I could not, uh, I, I couldn't tell you the name. It wasn't coastal Carolina, but it's a two namer at a, uh, at a small school. So it, it actually, um, it's it, it Cal Lutheran there is, the, we go. is the school, which everyone knows is the, um, the epicenter of football. The way they say the state of Ohio is the cradle of coaching. No, um, Tom Herman actually, uh, I believe, just missed Gary Patterson at, uh, at Cal Lutheran um, by a couple of years. Patterson was already gone, but he was the defensive coordinator right before Herman got there and actually played there. So this game, in addition to being the Del Conte Bowl, is the Cal Lutheran Bowl. So that's your trivia. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I have a third. Three I didn't pre- trivia questions. This I didn't. Pre- is, this is getting ridiculous. This is utterly ridiculous. I didn't prepare you for this. Um, Gerald, I mentioned last week that there were five xfl players from the longhorns one of them has a younger sibling who plays basketball at tcu it's a favorite of ours out of that five i'm narrowing it down as much as i can uh do you know which former texas longhorn who's now about to play in the xfl has a sister who uh starts on the tcu women's basketball team is it patrick vahe no 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 no. it's it's the juice (laughs) Oh man, that's the easy one. It felt too easy. It did. It did it feel felt too easy. Too easy, Kyle. Yeah, it did feel too easy. I was looking through through some uh, some. I don't even know how I stumbled across that. But Lauren Hurd started thirty four, thirty five games last year for the TCU uh, Lady Horn Frogs. Sometimes you got to take the low hanging fruit. But I I knew it was. I thought I with three trivia questions. I assumed you were trying to throw me for a loop. You know, and that's not fair. Like I said, I did no prep for any of that. I just I I was doing research and I came across all of these nuggets and I had to squeeze them in somewhere. So, all right, we talked about TCU. I think we've exhausted it. I even added a trivia section at the end. So let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other things that, uh, that actually have happened in the world of sports. And I'm going to lead with one right here because we referenced it. Um, and I realized we talked about it before the show, but we did not talk about it on air. Big news out of the other FL, the X FL, um, there are some big, uh, some big news for Longhorn football fans, as I alluded to. Uh, Gerard Hurd will be playing for the Dallas XFL franchise. He was drafted. Um, Patrick Vahe and Sed Reed mentioned Vahe earlier, both going out to LA. Devonte Davis returns home to Tampa, and Kent Perkins going to the St. Louis St. Lunatics franchise. They are, I think they're official to St. Louis Nellies is what they're going to be. 
Uh, so I think that's fair. No, I, I love seeing Gerard Hurd getting a, a shot to play more football, especially uh, under under Bob Stoops and, and with Landry Jones at quarterback, which is just ridiculous things that I never thought I'd get to say. Um, the XFL has some problematic uh, uh, player standards, maybe is what I'll say. However, I do think that uh, it's good to see these guys getting another shot to play. And, and you know what? I'll watch it. I'll at least watch one Dallas. I think they're the Renegades. I'll at least watch one Dallas Renegades game just to see the juice uh, suiting up again. The juice will be loose. Um, as, as Juventud Guerrero would say, you can't handle the juice. Um, there are also some NFL players uh, who made some uh, some plays this week. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway matched up against Connor Williams in the uh, NFC East, uh, I guess, matchup with the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Ridgeway got a sack, uh, which was nice to see. And Connor sprung Zeke for a TD, ran right behind his big block. So both showed out well, looked nice for the Horns. Um, Jordan Hicks, uh, you mentioned this when we were doing our show uh, prep came up with the Arizona Cardinals first INT of the season. So uh, Hicks, one of those many guys who seem to play better from the Longhorns defense at the next level. Absolutely. Him and Hassan Ridgeway both were guys that I think had a ton of upside at Texas, but uh, tail end of Mac Brown, beginning of Charlie strong, wasn't kind to a lot of guys. And that's a good segue because we're going to talk a little bit about the other games in college football that have a burnt, orange perspective and start right there with mac brown poor mac guy has a bedtime sally's got cookies waiting at home he doesn't want to be at the field any longer than he has to mac played the virginia tech Hokies, probably the second best team in the acc remember he almost beat clemson took them to six overtimes and in a heartbreaker fell 43 to 41 the mac brown experience is tough man they have a plus 11 point differential while in a three and four season um the the hardest part of that is they have losses their four losses this year one point two points three points and six points never more than a touchdown no extra point tough for mac it it's tough and i'm trying to see where they can get to I, I want this team to get to six wins. I need them to win three more. These guys deserve it. So they've got Duke uh, this weekend. UNC actually is the favorite in that game. I think a slight favorite. Uh, I, I, I'm I not buying Virginia, but I don't think North Carolina is good enough. Pitt has been okay. They've got Mercer. So if they win, uh, they've got to win three of five to make it to a bowl. And they've, they're favorite against Duke. They should beat Mercer. And then they end the season with a uh, rivalry matchup, the regular season against NC State, and in in rivalry games, just like we saw them beat South Carolina, can they pull off the Carolina uh, three step and beat Duke and North Carolina State in the season? Yeah, we're all rooting for you, Mac. But in the in the less uh, less exciting post grad news, the guys who left UT and went on to further their careers, Charlie Strong. Austin Navy this week, uh, thirty-five to three. The seat cooled a little. So they got a win, but it is heating up. I think Charlie Strong is uh, three and four this year, and not in the Romantico. This is fun. We're so close, uh, and we were so bad last year. Way that Mac has them. So a tough look for for Chuck down there in South Florida. Other Big Twelve related news: Baylor spoiled OSU's homecoming. Homecoming. How do you do that, Baylor? That's just mean. 45-27 to 27 with the second half explosion. They were down 10-13 to 13 at the half. Gerald, 
the heck happened? I don't know, man. I, well, what I think Baylor's probably uh, a legitimately good team. I did not see that happening, uh, but they are really, really good. And Oklahoma State, Spencer, Spencer Sanders has been a freshman quarterback in, in times. And so I think he struggled in some spots, which is just not uh, – I mean, that's what you're going to get when you when you play a redshirt freshman and you didn't play him a single snap in his redshirt season. Yeah, that's that's for sure tough. Um, that Baylor one just gets more and more circled on the calendar each week uh, as it comes by. They do still have to play Texas and OU. But speaking of OU, they beat the snot out of West Virginia, 52-14. to 14. We mentioned it already. The absolute highlight of that game was the Sooner Scooter wrecking. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Iowa State beat Texas Tech for probably the battle of fourth place in the Big 12. Uh, big news in, in Texas quality wins. La Tech remains undefeated outside of the city of Austin, improving to 6-1 and one on the season. They're still in that pesky others receiving votes. It'll make everyone feel a lot better about the season. They can just go ahead and get a like 25 or something next to that name. Uh, Joe Burrow. And uh, the the Bayou Bengals keep it going, thirty six to thirteen win over Mississippi State. I think this did two things. I think it catapulted Burrow into the the probably you know one A one B race for Heisman. Tua had an ankle injury, um, but it also kind of set up LSU to control some of their own destiny. The next two weeks they play Auburn and Bama, two very good teams. I think. Bama, definitely a very good team, but maybe without Tua, depending how he comes back from that injury, they do have a buy in there. Um, Auburn, good, probably a little overrated, but still very good. So they win both of those. All of a sudden, you're talking about a Burrow-Heisman and LSU absolute playoff team. Um, Mizzou somehow wasn't ranked SEC team, lost to Vandy, who we're calling the Kansas of the SEC. Did you see that Coach Mason pumped up post-game? Speech. Running through a brick wall. Let's do this. Heck yeah, man. I, I I respect the heck out of that. That was that was fun just for that. And then finally, the the fight naggy, the farmers, uh, snuck by Ole Miss 24 to 17. And this is the last bit of trivia, Gerald. And and if you want, I can just read these to you because I hate putting you on the spot like this. But do, do you know who Ole Miss's victories this season are against? So you you you're, you're you're close-ish there. They did actually get Vandy. They got Vandy, who who you know you saw Vandy can win. They valiantly won uh, their second game of the season this week. You saw their pumped up coach. So they were one of Vandy's many losses. They also beat Arkansas, who I'm not convinced Arkansas isn't one of the five worst teams in the country. Remember they lost to San Jose State, and then their other victory, the directional uh, Southern state you were looking for, was the southeastern Louisiana. I believe they're the Lions, um, but Sela, uh, they had a, a not even a really, really, you know, uh, sure win. They won by less than two touchdowns um, over Southeast Louisiana. So uh, Ole Miss, not a real good school. Uh, A&M almost lost that game. So for any, any Aggie who pipes up about Texas needing a last-second field goal at Kansas, wasn't a good game for anybody this week. Um, <laughs> that's it for me, Gerald. How'd you forget Boosh, Shane Bouchel, Oh, I Walter Camp Player of the Year, Kyle. I, I left I'm disappointed. It, I left it for uh, for for the last one, and uh, when you know it was supposed to be an alley oop, and I, I 
I ooped. I just oopsed. Uh, Gerald, take it. I, I don't deserve this one. You, you, you lead us here. So as, as two members of Team Boosh forever, uh, name the Walter Camp Player of the Week, throwing for a big 457 and six touchdowns led the Dallas Ponies to a 45-21 win over an overmatched Temple team. Is SMU the third best team in the state of Texas? Third? I think SMU might be number one. I think SMU then will decide UT and Baylor when we cross that ship. But, I mean, until someone knocks them off their horse, they are the UCF this year. They are the Boise State. They're that non-group of five that if they just don't do anything dumb and lose any games, they can be that fly in the ointment and be like, why can't we be in the playoffs, y'all? Um, Craig James, what? How many? Um, you know, whatever. But why, why they have more wins than, than he has at, at this point. So I don't see why... Shane Bouchelle may not be the quarterback of the best team in Texas right now. He might. He just might be. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitter machines at Kyle Carpenter. You can find the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. And as always, shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him. Crystal Conte stays undefeated.